It is just a huge honor for me today to be podcast interviewing Dr. Kyle Patrick Dumpert, DMD, MAGD, and Dr. Walter Anor Aka, DMD. They are the co-host of the Tooth Be Told podcast. I love it. Let's introduce Kyle first since he's the young one. Dr. Kyle Patrick <laughs> Dumpert, DMD, MAGD, grew up in Bedford, Pennsylvania, right smack in the middle between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Eagles. So I, I have to stop right now and ask, which, where, where did you fall? Did you fall? I, I fell with the, uh, the Steelers side, much to uh, Walter's upset. Okay, well, you're, you're, you're being filmed, so prediction. Will, the, will uh, your quarterback be back next year? That's a good question. I, I think he will be. Well, that's the truth be told. The truth be told. <laughs> Kyle graduated from Indiana University of Pennsylvania in 2008 with his bachelor's and attended the University of Pittsburgh School of Dental Medicine, where he graduated in 2013. After dental school, he completed a one-year GPR at the Pittsburgh VA Hospital. He then returned to his hometown of Bedford to work for his childhood dentist with plans to purchase the practice. After working for a year, he moved to Kauai, Hawaii, and worked for a year and a half in private practice when he had enough um, living in paradise he traded all the way to move back to pennsylvania to work for heartland dental for a year he then again moved back to Kauai to work for a small DSO for a month before finally returning to his hometown to buy his own practice where he currently practices dentistry in 2017, he received his FAGD. Then in 2018, he received his MAGD. During the summer of 2020, he joined Dr. Walter Acaw as a co-host of The Tooth Be Told. And Dr. Walter Anor Acaw, DMD, graduated from dental school in 2009. After dental school, he realized he needed more education to be the super dentist he wanted to be. So he went on to get his GPR training at Pittsburgh VA System. After working for a year as a general dentist, he realized he loved surgery more than dentures, so he applied and got accepted into the Pitt Perio residency. Following graduation in 2014, he moved to Houston just to be closer to my grandchildren, um, where he set up a traveling periodontal business. He's the proud husband to Mary and father of two amazing little girls, Nina and Serena. Uh, are they tennis players? I, I wish. Nah, we'll get there, though. Um, when not doing dentistry, he enjoys hosting the podcast Tooth Be Told, cooking, traveling, and watching soccer uh, since he was born in Ghana, West Africa. And I saw him for the show. One of the biggest treats I ever had in my life is three times I got to watch a World Cup game in a country that was in the World Cup game. And I'll tell you what, America, you only know America if you've never been outside of America, but you don't know what fans are until That's you right. watch soccer. Um, Twice in Africa, once in French. They make American football NFL fans look like they're premedicated on <laughs> Demerol. I mean, and, and, and I mean, and yeah. when I was watching it in France, I thought the police should have been there an hour ago with a water yeah. cannon. They're like, dude, it's a soccer game. I mean, that's just, uh, it's like, uh, so why, um, oh, I, 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 we could do a whole podcast just on watching World Cup games in countries that, um, I mean, hell, sometimes, I mean, in America, they're like, I don't like that call. It's like, well, in Brazil, they killed the ref. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean God, God dang. Colombia, too. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like when they're talking about these concussion protocols for the NFL. I'm like, okay, you remember in the Roman Empire they used to feed people to lions, right? I mean, I, I'd rather have a concussion than being eaten at halftime by a lion. Uh, but tell us, tell us your journey 
um, how did you guys meet? I, I keep seeing a lot of Pennsylvania in there. So is, is that the, um, that was the initial um, geographic connection between you two. How did you, how did you get connected in Penn and end up in Tooth Be Told? Well, so, you know, when initially, actually, Kyle and I, I was a resident. Kyle, you were finishing up dental school, correct? I was in my uh, fourth year of dental school, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was in Perio residency. Yeah, and I was in Perio residency. After I finished, we went down. And really, the way Truth Be Told came about was just basically me and my other buddy that uh, we I co-hosted with initially, he basically, him and I were just sitting there drinking alcohol. We were just having a good time. And we started, like, just talking about how, like, our day and our week and so forth. And after a while, we just were like, okay, you know what? This just can't be just us. We have other people that are sitting there complaining about, you know, how dentistry is going or complaining about patients and so forth. And so we were like, I wonder if patients know that dentists are real people, too. Like, you know, we put on a face. You know, we were, we're always happy. We have to kind of, you know, basically juggle and then do all this extra stuff for patients. But... It wears down on us, you know, after the end of the week, it's like, okay, now it's time for us to complain about it and, 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 and just tell everybody, like, this is what dentistry really is. So we started it just based on that. And it actually has picked up a good amount because patients and, and actual uh, dental students listen and go, man, okay, so this is what really dentistry, this is what dentistry really is about. And that was the whole point of this was to be completely honest about what dentists go through. You know, it's kind of like the best things that happen when you take a CE is the the uh, presenter giving you the facts on all the good stuff, but also the bad stuff. And so that's what we want to do is just let people understand that there is good times, great times, and educate them on everything that we know and bring, you know, uh, guests on that can educate more. But we also want everybody to understand that, hey, there is some other stuff that, you know, goes on in dentistry that we don't like. I mean, Kyle, if you listen to our podcast, Kyle talks about insurance all the time. You know, and our dislike for insurance and, and all the things that could happen with insurance and, you know, how dentists can, we can do better. And I honestly believe that. And that's why we started because I believe we could do better as a dental society and just, you know, enjoy what we do because dentistry provides us with so much that we kind of lose track of that whenever we just, you know, we finish the day and we just go, ah, oh, whatever, you know, does that make sense? It does. And that's when yeah. you, Walter said to Kyle, I'm gonna start a podcast. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I actually I listened to that so I met Walter when he was a, a Perio resident because he had done the VA GPR residency right. and I, that was something I was interested in doing so I, I was able to get his opinions on that program afterward I heard about him starting this podcast I liked it listened to it a lot uh, started communicating with him I was on a couple of shows and then uh when the opportunity arose where he needed another co-host, I, uh, he elected me to fill that spot and I've been on ever since. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Kyle pretty much criticized my setup the first time he came on the show. He was like, is this what we're doing here? And I was like, listen, I'm not professional like Howard is. All right, let's just I flew, <laughs> I flew to Texas just so I could be on his podcast. Right. And, and that was my excuse to get to Texas. <laughs> So, um, I, I, I think of your podcast is it's so keeping it real. I mean, you, you, um, um, I, a lot of dentists want to believe that, you know, if you have 
fresh flowers in the waiting room and you build a million dollar Taj Mahal and you put a, a painting in the front by, you know, Rembrandt that, you know, people are just going to come by and throw money at you. And they only do, I only see them do that in casinos. That's the only place right. I've been where people just drive for miles, just dump their purse out on the table. But other than a casino, I mean, you got to do stuff that's not sexy. You got to do extractions and root canals and bread and butter dentistry. And they're like, well, I, I'm just going to do bleaching and Botox all the way to the Taj Mahal. I mean, I, I, I feel like you guys are more keeping it real. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the whole point of this uh, podcast is to basically be honest and, and just talk about it, right? A lot of dentists want to do full mouth rehabs, but they have no idea about occlusion. Let's, let's be completely honest and start from the beginning. Let's learn about the basics before we get to, you know, what all our, uh, you know, uh, our mentors and, and everybody that spent 20, 30, 40 years in dentistry are doing. Let's, let's, let's start from the basics. Learn about occlusion. Learn dentures, basic dentures, right? Because we all, we all know that dentistry, you know, dentures is what led us to aesthetics and, and occlusion and full mouth rehabs and so forth. And if you don't understand that, how could you possibly sit there and think, I'm going to go ahead and just take a course, a weekend course, and now I'm doing full mouth rehabs. You're doing a disservice to the patient and you're doing a disservice to the practice of dentistry. I mean, that's, that's how I feel personally. You know what I mean? Maybe Kyle's going to be a little nicer about it, but I don't. No, I, I actually, I... I refer everybody out for full mouth rehabs. I, I'm not comfortable with it. I like the bread and butter, bread and butter dentistry. I've been to a lot of continuing education classes, and I know I have the skills to do that work. But with completing a twenty-five, fifty thousand dollar case, there's a lot more added stress that I don't want to have in my life. That uh, I don't want. Once that number treatment plan starts getting higher and higher, then you start. In my mind, I start worrying about lawyers and patient expectations, and uh, I I like the somebody comes in, they're in pain, I get them out of pain, whether it's with a root canal or an extraction, and they're with me for life. Well, why, um, Walter, when you were talking about yeah. occlusion, not knowing occlusion, um, yeah. it seems like for three three decades, I hear all these uh, everyone complain that they come out of school and they know caries and parries, but that's they it. don't know occlusion. Um, why? Why do you think that's been a solid uh, Yelp review on dental schools for three decades? Man, well, you know, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't know. You know, I feel like they just, you know, they we graduate dental school and, and and we're provided with the education enough not to hurt anybody. But we're not provided with the additional means of just kind of learning more. Like, you know, for me, I look at it as the reason why I did my GPR was because I, I knew I didn't know enough to, to do more and to know better. Right. It's kind of like the more you learn, the, the more you realize you don't know as much as you should. You know, and occlusion is something that I don't think any dental school really teaches you. They tell you to bite on, you know, uh, uh, occlusion paper to check your restoration. But they don't tell you about, you know, parafunctional habits. How do you correct for all these other things? And it just, it's something that I think you got to seek. And dentistry, I'm not sure if dental school has, they have enough time. Even if, for example, I have two buddies of mine who are period, uh, prosthodontists, and they spent three additional years just to learn occlusion. You know, yeah, they do all these other things, but prosthodontics residency is about occlusion. You know, and so that's what I'm saying. Like, they took three years to learn occlusion. Why is it that we expect us to... Why do, why do people expect to learn that on a weekend course? I don't get that at all. So when um, 
when you guys talk to each other, Kyle and Walter, do you, um, looking back, Kyle, you got your uh, MAGD, your general dentist, Walter became a periodontist. Do you think... Yeah. Do you think there's an advantage, uh, a blatant advantage to specialize or not gen- uh, specialize? What would you tell a kid who was a junior or senior in dental school, the pros and cons of specialty or general? I'll start. I yeah. I don't see the, the point of going to specialize uh, in my case. I, I am so happy there are specialists out there, but as a general dentist, I can pick and choose what I want to do, what I'm comfortable doing. And if somebody's going to be a headache in my chair or is uh, that I'm going to get in too deep that I'm uncomfortable, I always have that out to refer a specialist or refer that patient to a specialist. When it comes to, uh, you, you talk a lot about what a general dentist makes versus what a specialist makes. I think if you're going to be a general dentist, get out of the cities, get into small town, get into rural, because the, the numbers that you talk about, Howard, are uh, they, they don't apply to rural dentistry. Well, I mean, I, I kind of agree with Kyle. I mean, I think general dentists work, work way harder than specialists do. I really, I'll be honest with you and then say that. And a lot of people may not like that, but I, I, you know, you have to know so much. And as a good general dentist, you have to know what all the other specialists kind of know, you know what I mean, in order to be able to refer them correctly or be able to work with them properly. Uh, a lot of specialists don't even take the time to learn, you know, basic general dentistry. So they just go, okay, well, whatever the general dentist says to me, I'm going to do. And I think that one year for me, and I think everybody should do a residency, honestly, before you specialize, because it allows you to understand the basics so you can talk to your your referring dentist in a, in a better, more proper uh, way. Um, do, you, do I think that being a specialist is something, uh, you know, how would you say this a lot, right? You do extractions, third molars, I mean, as fast as oral surgeons. Right? So it's really just the, the skill set, and it's a matter of just taking the time to learn the skill set. You don't have to specialize in order to know the skill set if you take the time to do it properly. So again, I mean, I, I'm not sure if being a specialist is something that is for everybody. I hated dentures. I never wanted to do dentures. I never wanted to do dentures. I did it in residency. I never want to do it again. That's why I said, okay, let me just stick to something that I really enjoy, something that makes my life a lot easier, something that I literally can listen to my slow jams and, and do all day, which is extraction surgeries all day. I literally have slow jams on while I'm doing my surgery, and that's what makes me happy. You know what I mean? But that's not for everybody. And, um, uh, and I, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, I also hate dentures. I don't know a whole lot of dentists that do. But again, as a general dentist, I can pick and choose that I don't want to do dentures. I can refer that out to the local denture clinic. And I have the ability to dip my toe into, you know, I started doing implants at my practice two years ago. Uh, so I can pick and choose what are the easy cases and start to build my skill and not have to deal with something that is, you know, full mouth rehab or all on four or any of that stuff. I, that's what specialists are for. And take us back. I mean, you're in, uh, you're in Pittsburgh right now. What is the temperature right now in Pittsburgh today? Uh, it, it's probably, I think 20 degrees outside right now. Something yeah, like that. And I'm freezing here in Phoenix. Phoenix, it's only 73 today. I'm serious. It was cold when I got up. It was, it was 55. But you, you were out there in paradise. Um, did you practice dentistry there? Were you an, uh, an associate or, uh, or did you just surf all day long? 
I was I was an associate at a private practice. It was a brand new office, ground up build, uh, done by Henry Schein, and it really was paradise. I was working four days a week and surfing on three days a week, working four days a week, perfect temperatures all the time. But it all came back to all my family, all my friends are on the East Coast, and no matter where you're at, it's home is where your friends and family are, and that brought me back twice. Uh, this is very politically incorrect, but I, I have to ask you because I've known a lot of people going out there. Did you ever, fit, how long were you there? A year and a half? Yes. Did you ever felt like you fit in or did you never really fit in because of the Dole family and the fact that they went down there and stole Hawaii? I, I like to- I like that I'm getting the, uh, the discrimination question on the podcast. Keep it going, Howard. It, it, it's true. I mean, it, yeah. it's true. Americans don't, it's like Americans don't want to talk about their abuse of state boards. Like, I'm here in Arizona, and um, the Guadalupe Indian Reservation has 20,000 people, and whenever a dentist on the other side of the Arizona border in Yuma in Muller City, where the Americans all drive down there to go to him... And if he comes up here, the board will call the police and they'll arrest him and put him in a cage and he'll go to trial. I mean, I mean, it's like, it's like, can we talk about that? Like, no, you're not supposed to talk about that. It's like, it, it's abuse. And I, I always, um, I, I always felt that you were from the country that ripped off their country with a pineapple king, Mr. Dole. And I was <laughs> just right. wondering, and and I was wondering in, in honesty, when you were there for a year, did did they get over that and accept you, or was it still just a glaring issue? I I never had any. I had one problem with one patient, and believe it or not, it was a white patient, female patient that was more comfortable being treated by an Asian dentist than a white dentist. But I found I, I've lived in a couple of different areas. I, I've traveled to a couple of different countries, and as long as you treat people with respect and kindness which I treated everybody that way. They were all extremely welcoming of me. Uh, you know you get accepted when you go to a locals-only surf spot and they're sharing the waves with you and taking turns. And as long as you're respectful to them, uh, I, I never once felt that I wasn't welcome there. But Kauai, Kauai is different than Oahu or some of the, ma- the, the bigger cities. Kauai is a, a smaller town feel where you really know everybody that's there. Do you think that would have been the same in Honolulu, Oahu? No, I, I think there were, there's, I, I know some dentists that practice there, and there was, uh, there was a lot more of an issue because of the city atmosphere. Yeah, and what I've noticed going around the world is that um, when you're a dentist talking to dentists, the dentists love each other. Uh, they just hate each other's government. You know what I mean? They're like, <laughs> uh, just please don't associate with me. Uh, in, in fact, it's kind of funny. Um, a lot of, there's some pretty famous international dental speakers that taught me a trip a long time ago. He goes, when you're going into the, uh, it's going to be tough. Just go get the Canadian black leather jacket with a big Canadian flag. And, I, and I've been told that a long time. And it only saved me one time. This guy said to me, it was at a bar. And he came out to me and he goes, are you American? I go, no, I'm Canadian. He goes, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And he walked, it's like, my God. It's like that uh, Say No to Drugs by uh, Nancy uh, Reagan or whatever. you, you got to practice that. Just practice. I'm Canadian. I'm Canadian. <laughs> Say that a hundred times before you go around the world because they're going to teach you your history class. Um, so what do you do? Um, how do you guys reset the clock on 
a young kid's expectation that wants to come out of school and they seriously think they're going to do bleaching and bonding and Botox and Invisalign and live happily ever after. And it's like, dude, you're a doctor. It's going to be blood and guts, extractions and root canals. And the rest is just fancy. It's not the meat and potatoes. How do you, well, first of all, do you believe that the meat and potatoes, you got to, they come in in pain, you got to pull the tooth or do a root canal or you're not treating the patient? You know, um, the basics, I think the basics of dentistry is always going to be there, right? You talked about the, the, the meat and potatoes. Like, if a patient comes to you in pain, you give them options. Do you want the tooth taken out? What do you want to replace it with? Do you want to do a root canal? What do, you, do you want a crown on there? What kind of crown are you going to do? So the basics is always going to be there. I, I just honestly think that people want to go online. We're like the Instagram generation where everything's pretty. Everything has to be, you know, like... For example, and I, I, don't, I want to give a shout out, but uh, Dr. Appa, you know, he does beautiful veneers and crowns and so forth. And, and everybody thinks that that's the kind of lifestyle that every dentist needs to live and everybody that every dentist needs to. That's not the case. 99.9% of us aren't going to be doing traveling between two, you know, countries, three, or however many he travels uh, to do dentistry. Like he's, you know, he is very, very special. He's very selective. Most of us aren't going to do that. I think our podcast allows people to understand what dentistry really is and, and how just basic and, 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 you know, you have potentials to expand. I really believe that. But I also think that you have to keep your expectations down to a, uh, to a level that makes sense. You know, like Kyle said, if you want to do well financially, why are you in a big city competing with 50 million other dentists? Go to the rural areas. You know, set up because I promise you, you will have a lot of patients coming to you. Like Kyle and I had a conversation where uh, in his town, there is not even a, a, a single oral surgeon, a, a periodontist. If I were to say, okay, you know, if my wife allowed me to, and I were to come down to or go up to uh, uh, Bedford, I would make a killing because I would be the only person that would be, you know, the periodontist there. I don't understand why we don't do that. And I think you mentioned this, uh, Howard, multiple times. I don't understand why this is still not something that resonates with people. Everybody wants to live this glorious life, but sometimes you got to just say, I'm going to live in the country <laughs> and travel in my Porsche to the city. Yeah, I mean, you, you got you got to go where you're needed, and they, um, they make it about themselves. I, to tell you how bad it is, every DSO CEO that I know has already written off the rule. They only plan on going to Urban because... Uh, the young single people, uh, they come out of school, they're not going to have any chance finding a mate in Beeville uh, or Eloy. You know, they, they want to be in Houston. They want to be in the big cities. They, they want to increase their chance and look as pretty as a peacock and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'll do, um, if someone asks you this, um, beyond the bread and butter, uh, do you think there's more demand in the cosmetic clear aligner Invisalign or the uh, implants? I say implants. Kyle, what do you say? In my area, it's uh, I, I'd say I'd say it's fifty fifty in my area, but I'm not doing a lot of Invisalign. I don't enjoy orthodontics. Um, like Walter said, in, in my town, it's. The closest oral surgeon is 45 minutes to an hour away, and it's a six-month wait to get in to see him. So if you're good at the bread and butter stuff, why would I want to do Invisalign and be married to a patient for years just to get the same fee that I get by doing a root canal and crown on somebody that takes me 
one or two visits. And I, I, you know what, I can actually tell that you're not into cosmetic dentistry. You know, I can tell. Because <laughs> you, you leave that hair on your head like yeah. Ben Rossberg <laughs> instead of shaving it like Terry Bradshaw, Walter, and Howard. I mean, the people that really care about their looks, Bradshaw, Walter, and me, I mean, they would, you'd have to shave your head. So the fact that you're still growing that hair on your head, I, I do. You do too much. You do too much, Kyle. <laughs> so, so how big of a town is Bedford then? How, how small is it if it's uh, got a six-month wait for an oral surgeon? The, the county itself is roughly 50,000 people. The town is maybe 15,000, 20,000. And are you married there or are you single? I am single. Um, is, is, do, you, do you see why? I mean, is it harder for a single dentist to go to a small town and find a peacock as, and then say if you're in Houston? Do you, do you uh, think... Uh, absolutely, and, that, and that's part of the reason I moved around so much is uh, I didn't have anything tying me down. I could go where I wanted to go and meet new people in, in different areas, but home is home, and I, I always knew that I would come back to my hometown. That's I love your surfboard sitting behind you. Is that your favorite <laughs> surfboard? That's actually uh, my assistant made that. It's a, a chair that my assistant made for oh, me for Christmas. Wow. Yeah, or a, a storage wow. uh, coat hanger surfboard thing. That is yeah, so, so she cool. Made that for me. So, so, um, so you're a so you own your own practice, and yes, and so do you own the land and building? Did you buy the practice? Did you start at DeNovo? How did you do it? It was a practice that uh, was established thirty years ago. Uh, the husband or the dentist and his wife. Um, his wife was a hygienist. She, I went to school with their kids. She was my soccer coach growing up. And when I made the decision to come back the second time, they were looking to, I knew they were looking to sell. Um, so I bought it in 2018, March of 2018. And Thursday, a couple of days ago, I just bought the real estate. Wow. And, uh, how, and how's it going? It's going great. It's a, um, there is for anybody, any of the, the young dental students listening to find a practice that is established that you plan on being at for a long time. That was bread and butter. It's, uh, amalgams, patchwork amalgams. And every day people are coming in with a broken tooth and you take a picture with an intraoral camera, show them what's in their mouth and it's automatic crown. And that have, like I said, two or three times a day, Every day of the week that happens, and it's, I'm not selling dentistry, I'm showing people what is in their mouth, this is the treatment option that's available, this is what I think is best for you, and because it's a small town, that trust is there, they're going to see me for the next 30 years at this practice, and so there's no reason why I would want to uh, take advantage of somebody when I'm going to see them at the grocery store tomorrow. Right. And so, um, describe your practice. Well, so for me, I actually travel, uh, to different offices and I work with a, a big DSO down here in Houston. Um, and I've just kind of set name? it up. Say again? Can you give the name of the DSO? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If you don't, if you don't mind, it's uh, Pacific Dental. Okay. With Steve Thorne. Yeah. 
Oh, Steve Thorne, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I just go, with, I go uh, between about ooh, nine or ten offices um, and just set up. I mean, the one good thing about them is once you get, and I'm actually very lucky because a lot of the people I work with, I'm also friends with. So, you know, we actually have the uh, relationship where if there's an issue or a way to, like, improve the practice from a periodontal point of view, we can have that discussion. I can't speak for everybody working with um, uh, Pacific, but I know for sure that I'm very lucky in that sense. You know what I mean? So it actually, it's very beneficial because I go in there, I do what I need to do. Um, if there's an issue or anything like that, we have a direct communication. We get it resolved. We go from there, you know, and uh, it's actually getting, it's actually getting even better because now I'm getting them to understand perio. Initially, the hardest part was trying to get them to understand what periodontal disease was, trying to get them to understand what I even did. You know, besides just take a tooth out, place an implant. They're very good at that. But there are so many other factors that I had to kind of educate them on. And again, that goes back to dental school. What do we really know about perio? What do we know about ortho and so forth? So, Walter, you're a traveling periodontist. You, you go into mm-hmm. other offices. Well, what, is, yeah. what is your website? For that? Do you just have the website of the dentist you go into? Um, yeah, so, so basically they just put me on their website as one of the um, providers. But what's your website? Throughout. Some dentists wanted to contact you about coming into their office. What oh, my goodness. Go? Yeah, so uh, there's, um, let me see, there's Parallel Modern Dentistry, there's Spring Klein, uh, there's um, Parallel Dentist with an S, uh, there's Champions Modern Dentistry. So most of the time it's just Modern Dentistry and whatever locations, uh, Spring, Cypress. So I go, I work from Spring, which is all the way up north uh, in Houston. And then all the way down uh, in Pearland, P-E-A-R-L-A-N-D. But, but do you, um, so if you go into an office, you set up a website and, and then the name of the city, then add Modern Dental to the end? Well, no, no. So what happens is whenever I partner up with them, they basically add me to the website that already exists for that office. Okay. Yeah, so, but, so, but, so you're mostly going into Modern Dentistry webs, uh, dental offices? Yeah, pretty much, yeah, because that's like most of the Pacific Dental, uh, in Houston anyway, I'll speak for that area, uh, it's, it's like modern dentistry, and, and it's like, that's kind of the names of them. And, and do you think that's a good strategy? I mean, Aspen will go in there, Aspen names every single one of their practices, Aspen, and Heartland is kind of like uh, Kroger, where, you know, Kroger grocery stores are Fry's, and Arizona, Dillon's, and Kansas, um, do, what do you what do you think is the advantage? Uh, do you think it should be Aspen Dental everyone or yeah. this uh, mod- Friends Modern? I mean, I always know it's an Aspen site just because if you look at the site, I mean, you can just right. tell it's, it's an Aspen site. Uh, but but first of all, how, how is it? Um, so when you say you're a traveling periodontist, is it yeah. only for Aspen store uh, locations? So so I no I used to actually uh, have I go to other uh, private practices and stuff like that too. So it's not just for Pacific Dental. So I go to other uh, travel. I go to other uh, offices and provide my special, my um, I guess specialty to general dentists that want to bring in um, uh, specialists. And that's really big in Texas. I can't speak for any other state, but in Texas, because of the DSO is really big, and there's tons of DSOs down here. The mentality, the mentality for general dentists is to have the specialists come into their office. So that's something that we're dealing with down here. Is you know, is uh, the, the change in, in the dynamics where a specialist would have an office and the, the uh, general dentist will refer to them. Now it's more of a, you know what, you're going to go into that office uh, because, you know, the 
general dentists have told the patients, hey, why don't you, you know, we have everybody coming into this office and the patients like that, they like that convenience. You know, so that's something that you kind of fight an uphill battle when it comes to that. Is it great? It is. It makes it easier for the patient. Is it easy for me? No, I travel all over the place. <laughs> you know, it's harder in that sense. You know, and then when it comes to naming it the same exact thing, I worked at Aspen and the one problem that I found was a patient didn't, couldn't really differentiate between the two Aspens. So when they left a, uh, when they left a uh, review, it might have been for the wrong office. You see, so you're getting hit with a review that wasn't even meant for you. And that was uh, something that I noticed. And I will say, well, I never even saw this patient. That was for somebody else or another office, you know, a few miles down the road. But guess what? Because it was Aspen, they just saw Aspen Dental and blah, 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 blah. You know, and I think that that whole keeping it consistent, yeah, it's great for the company, but I don't know if it's great for the office individually. Well, I know that story too. Well, I was at Chicago Midwinter one time after lecturing all day and I was um, at this party and all of a sudden two bouncers physically manhandled me, drug me all the way out and threw me out on the street. And I'm like, what the hell do I do? I, mean, I, 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 I couldn't figure it out. And then like five minutes later, Bob Gadley, the CEO, I declare, runs out there and goes, no, not that bald guy, the other bald guy. And I'm like, uh, so I understand how they could confuse Aspens when I was confused with another bald guy who was losing his mind. Um, but uh, but anyway, I got a bunch of free drinks from Bob Gadley that night. That was fun. Uh, That's it. Um, so so um, do you, um, Kyle, do you see, I mean, no DSOs in rural Pennsylvania? I mean, are they only in the big cities like Pitt and Penn? Pittsburgh, they, they, Philadelphia. They were mostly only in the uh, in the big cities. There, I, I rumor has it that Heartland just bought one of the small offices in my hometown. But right there the past, in Bedford, that's that's what I've heard, and they haven't been able to find a dentist. To they've all been temporary dentists that have been coming from different areas to to fill in. They haven't been able to find that steady dentist to work there which i think is uh, what you mentioned earlier a problem that they run into well um it, it's a huge problem i mean um these dso ceos have told me that the rural offices on any given day 10 percent of them don't have a dentist i mm. mean i mean that that's just huge and um and and i think it's about to switch because um Phoenix was ground zero for Google's driverless car deal. And um, my gosh, um, it, I can't believe it's been going five years. No one died during the whole test. The number one complaint they had, they, here's how weird humans are. I mean, they're like cats and dogs. They're just so funny. But the the number one problem they had was when people saw driverless cars going down the street, they'd throw rocks at it. I mean, I mean, humans are... I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always getting mad at my dog, I and mean, I'm thinking, well, you know, my dog Mowgli, he's smarter than half the people I know. Um, they're just bizarre, but imagine you have a driverless car technology, and you have want to go to that small town. I always say that in, in America, the dentists wake up in the morning, and they're usually sitting in demographics of about one dentist for every 2,000 people, and then they get on the freeway and commute for an hour, to, and they get out of their car where there's a dentist for every 500 people. I'm like, you idiot, you just commuted an hour to get 
you know, it just, it's insane. But if he would have gotten the car and drove an hour out of town, he could have drove into a place where there's one dentist for every 6,000. And if it's an hour or two hours, who cares? Because when you look at this driverless car format, where it's just going to be a battery on four wheels, if you get a two hour drive, if, if you, if my, if my alarm went off at six o'clock and said, okay, now time to move your fat butt to the bed in the car. And you just went down in the car and fell back asleep for two hours. Right. Or you had a recliner and you had a big screen or your computer music or whatever. But you're not going to be sitting there at the wheel changing lanes and all that. You're just going to be sitting in a, driverless transportation thing um but do you um but it just it just obviously i mean um i know a uh, if you go to pew uh, um they you know that was a charity foundation think tank for save the oceans and um uh, but they got into healthcare. that was their next pivot and and in dentistry, they do all the demographics of the areas that uh, have a shortage of dentists, so they've done all the work for you, and it seems like the only people that listen are um, married Mormons that have three <laughs> kids in dental yes. school, they yes. got a stay-home wife, they're eventually going to have like 18 kids and live in a shoe, and the guy's like, I got to find a great <laughs> location, and, and you say, well, look, here's... Like eleven percent of the counties don't even have a dentist, and I and and I know one. I mean, several of them. Like one went to Iowa. He was the only dentist in the county. He had four hundred thousand dollars in student loans. The first year, he does a million four and takes home four hundred. But he has his own entertainment. He has wife, kids. He doesn't need a bar and fancy lights and all that. So if you have all your social stuff met. Why not go in a small town? I hated raising my four kids in Phoenix because in, in Wichita, I mean, you got a mini bike or a go-kart, you just took off down the street. And me and John Lees, who's now an endodontist in uh, L.A., I mean, we rode our motorcycles to our mini bikes to each other's houses. Then when my kids tried to do that in Phoenix, the police always return them. And, and I'm like, well, what, what the hell's wrong? He has a helmet and he goes, we had to be 18 years old. It's a side street on a Saturday. Are you out of your mind? And the police are like, yes, we are completely out of our minds. And uh, we will arrest your kid and put him in a cage if he does it again. Uh, but there's a lot of advantages to small town living. Yeah. Now, uh, Howard, have you seen since the, the pandemic started, there, there seemed to be a mass exodus out of the big cities for a lot of people, whether because of the shutdowns, because of civil unrest or, or anything. Have you seen in any of your stuff where there have been more dentists going out into the rural areas from the cities? I have not, but I, I have noticed this much. Um, you know, you used to go on a vacation, just get an airplane and fly or take a cruise or go to Hawaii or whatever. And the real estate, two hours out of town, has doubled in Phoenix, Arizona. Like, So if you leave Phoenix and you go up towards the mountains, like the Flagstaff area... A two hundred thousand dollar home is now four hundred. I mean, so everybody's flocking out of there in RVs. I mean, RVs are just selling uh, yeah. um, out of your mind. And uh, I want an RV, but I want to wait till it's a driverless RV. I mean, <laughs> I, I do. I mean, I, I don't want to drive the damn RV um, because when I do, I always spill my beer, and I, I hate that. <laughs> um, so um, so what what advice? Um, um, so so you're a traveling paradox. Um, nobody. Yeah. Specialists don't ever like to talk about this, but what is the standards fee split when specialists go into an office, uh, mainly oral surgeons, endodontists, periodontists? What, 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 how does that work usually? Well, so that's actually a really good question. And listen up, people, because it's a closely guarded secret. 
Well, I don't care enough to, to guard that secret, I guess. Um, for me, it, I look at it like this. Who's bringing in what, right? If I'm using your office and you're providing me with the patients because you refer the patients to me, and I'm bringing in my own assistants, my, uh, all the materials, like, if, for example, implants. So the overhead for me is a little higher. Of course, I'm going to take more, right? So I'm looking at 65, 70%, right? But I honestly think that needs to be a symbiotic relationship where you get something in return to make it seem like, hey, this is actually worth my time for this specialist to be in my office. I'm not going to sit here and take 80, 90%, uh, 100% of the, you know, or 95% of the, 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 the fee because then it's like, what's the point of me being in your office? You're providing me with, uh, you, have, you have overhead that you have to take care of, right? The lights are still on. So uh, for me, I, I look at it and say, okay, the more I'm bringing to the to the game here, the, the more I'm going to take 65, 70%. But I don't see anybody really going over 70%. But I could be wrong. There could be somebody out there that would actually agree to take, you know, 80%. I don't, that would be crazy. If I was a general dentist, I wouldn't want someone coming to my office and giving me 20% when I'm pretty much providing most of the hard, you know, um, stuff for them. Well, you know, if you if you think about capacity mm-hmm. um, macroeconomically, the fact that there's a hundred and sixty eight hours in a week, right. and how many hours would you say the average dentist works per week? What would you guess? Thirty two. Uh, yeah, thirty two. Okay, so take thirty two divided by a hundred and sixty eight, and you get nineteen percent. Yeah. So eighty percent of all the capacity of dentistry is never used, and mm-hmm. and there's no reason. In the next decade, anybody should build a dental office because someone needs to build a dental Uber app. Because if I came out of school and you yeah. called me up and you said, I need an office. Well, I mean, an office, 80% of the operatories are idle at all right. times. If eight out of 10 operatories are never in use, well, shit, I shouldn't have to go buy land and building and build a dental office. I should just be able to, hey, Uber Dental, I'll meet you at here, this address, drop a pin, text it, show up, do it. Um, so um, what have you learned um, going in? I, I want to um, find out what you've learned from being a periodontist in so many different dental offices because there's a lot of periodontal mysteries that I don't understand. Like, right. like, like, five, like you go to a periodontist, he's got like 25 referrals, right? Five right. of them refer 100% of all the crown lengthening procedures for 10 mm-hmm. years, and the other 20 have never referred one time. So it's like, is which one's a mermaid and which one's a unicorn? I mean, it's, it's like something's not right there. Well, so a lot of, a lot of people know that. It, so the way it looks, the way I've noticed, it's like this. If you have periodontal disease, deep pockets or whatever, the first thing everybody says is go to periodontist. They don't even talk to the patient about, is it restorable from my point of view, or can I do anything with this? So if I, as a periodontist, if I think the tooth can be saved, I'm going to save the tooth. It may not benefit you if the, the occlusion is all messed up, if there's parafunctional habits and all that stuff. So I think the first thing is, a lot of people need to look at the big picture and say, you're not just sending it to periodontists because they have deep pockets. You're sending it to periodontists because I need to keep these teeth or I need to do this and this and this. So running the ship, like I always say to everybody, like you're, you're running the, the, the bus here. You're the one in charge. You're driving the bus here. I need you to let me know what you can do because I'm only going to tell you from a periodontal point of view what I can help you with. You see, uh, another thing that I've noticed is like you said, there are people that are really good at just sending us uh, or sending me uh, implants, but don't know anything about crown lengthening. And other people, 
want to do crown lengthening, even if the two cannot be crown lengthened. So it's just a matter of like, they're stuck in one way and it's hard for me to get them out of that way until I spend multiple hours with them saying, see, look at this one, look at this. And the best thing that for me is I actually take a lot of pictures and, and show them, do like a slideshow to explain to them what I can do. And it's not just one lecture, it's multiple lectures to get them to understand what perio really is. And I've realized that for doing this for as long as I, I have, it's let's just break it down and just do one, let's focus on crown lengthening. Next month, we'll do uh, free gingival grafts. Next month, we'll do connective tissue. So it's not like, let me just bombard you with everything. Let's just show you this, get you really good at referring to seeing that with your eyes, and then move on from there. And that also I just, hygienist. I just massively increased the percentage of my referrals to the periodontist that will go. My, a lot of times, I never go, but I guess what you're saying is, yeah, you need to go see Walter. He's got deep pockets. <laughs> Those girls will be running. Really? Where is this rich guy? I'm, they'll, they'll, they'll drive straight there. They, they, they don't understand perio, and you're calling it with deep pockets. Uh, well, you know, it's so up. funny. That's, that's what we always do when we're on the podcast. We just keep it as simple as possible. But for the dentists that are listening, you know, periodontal pockets, you know, uh, attachment loss and so forth. But yeah, we just deep pockets. Is, for the podcast, that's, we try to keep it simple because everybody's listening to us. So, uh, um, are you implant agnostic? I mean, um, it's confusing when big companies like, say, Invista. I mean, um, you know, the, he owns uh, Noble BioCare, the high-end Mercedes-Benz, and he owns um, Neodent out of Brazil for the value deal. So, he owns yeah. Southwest Airlines and yeah. First Class and Delta. Um, yeah. Does it matter? What would you say to a dentist that they're like, yeah. is it okay to save money and buy value implants from... You know, Neodent, or do I need to pay top dollar for Noble Biocare? Yeah. Oh, man, this is it. Um, my personal opinion, and I'll be honest with you, my personal opinion is most of the time, if you do look at the research, most implants integrate, right? We look at implant uh, research, it's like 99, 95% integration. It, could, it doesn't really matter. Right. And so the one thing that I tell all my referred dentists and anybody that wants to do implants, I say, what does your rep look like? Like in that area, where you are right now, can you get a rep into your office? Is, is, the, off, is the company actually very receptive to your questions and, and trying to get you more education about implants? If you can understand that and, and, and have somebody that can guide you and help you along the way, that's all that really matters. I personally don't think any one implant is better than other. It's what feels comfortable in my hands, you know, and that's one thing I can't stand. It's like whenever you go to a lecture and they're paid off by this company and this company, that's all they gear their lectures to is that implant. There's thousands of implant companies out there, you know, and we all can't be great, but we all can't be bad either. It's just a matter of just being honest and saying what works best for me financially and in my hands. Maybe this system is easier to understand than this other system. You know, okay, this this system, okay, three drills and I'm placing my implant. This one might need to be stepped down with, you know, bone densification or something like that. There's so many different factors that go into it. It's just a matter of looking and understanding what how the reps are around your area because if you need help or have some issues or missing a piece of, a, you know, uh, uh, um, material or something, the rep can come and help you out. And then also making sure that you get the information for it. So I don't think any... Implants are implants, to be honest with you. I like some of the features of, like, like a Zimmer implant. That's what I use. And the reason, two reasons I picked that implant company. One, that's what we use in a residency, so I was familiar with it. And two, they acquired uh, the ENCODE healing abutment from 
uh, I forget the name of the company, but it's a scannable healing abutment. And I want to make the process as easy for the patients as possible. When I was learning how to do implants, trying to screw in an impression post, get the goo in their mouth, trying to find a little screw hole to release the impression post from the, uh, the impression, that all made things too complicated and the patient didn't like having a huge tray in their mouth with all these little tiny screws. So with a scannable healing abutment that whenever I place the implant, the healing abutment that can be scanned is in their mouth. I never have to numb that patient up again. The only time I'm going to touch that implant after placing it, I scan it once. I, when the crown's ready, I unscrew the healing abutment and I screw the tooth in and it's easy and patients absolutely love that. Uh, ease of uh, treatment. But and you prefer Zimmer? I prefer Zimmer just because they have that feature available. And well, Carl right? never even said anything about uh, osteointegration at all. No, he talked about what was uh, easy for him to deal with. What's easy and for me really and what's easy for the patient. Yeah, and that's, that's what I think the implants really have become is just what's easy for me to deal with. Well, I, I think you said it um, also, um, the, the rep. I mean, my gosh, yeah. you, if, you, if you don't have any support, you're all alone. And you. If, you, if you don't have any support, you might as well buy online. You might as well buy e-commerce because, um, but, you know, if you, if you need that rep. And what's funny for me, I'm completely different. What I liked most about my rep was the social queen saying, hey, Thursday, they're all going to be <laughs> drinking at this place. And you're like, God, because right. it's, it's a big town. There's... 3.8 million people, there's 3,800 dentists, and you don't know where everyone, all the right. alcoholics are and where they're all drinking. All that. But I did notice <laughs> that um, Zimmer Biomed announced its intent to spin off its spine and dental businesses, um, but into a, a new company. But I thought that was really interesting, if, unless I'm reading this wrong, that the dental is going to go with spine. It's like, okay, first I read that it's like, is dental going to be separate? Then maybe get picked up by like Invista, which is kind of getting to be a big holding company, uh, which was spun off from Danaher. Or are they actually going to combine spine and dental? Um, I thought that was uh, very interesting, but it reminds me of the milk research. Uh, remember they had spent all that million dollars of drink milk with the milk mustaches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same time, Florida was saying drink Florida orange juice. And nobody, nobody could measure any result from this campaign. But then they changed the packaging of milk from being a square carton to round so it actually fit in your car holder. And that jumped milk sales, you know, 12, 15%. So there was a deal where the best marketing was a change in packaging. And you were saying that in when you want to implant, you wanted this uh, rep nearby a support. And, you know, and you were saying what you liked about the techniques and all that stuff. So it's not always price. It's sometimes packaging, convenience. Um, it, it, it's all kinds of different things. Um, so um, a lot of people... Um, what, what do you think young kids don't understand the most when they decide to start the journey of learning how to place implants? How, how difficult implant dentistry really is. Because implant dentistry is not just, well, from a special specialty point of view, implant dentistry is not just placing the implant, doing the uncovery, and that's, that, that's it. There's restorability. There's occlusion. There's, you know, um, quality of bone. There's so many other factors that you have to understand and learn, you know, and, and one thing that I think we've, be, we've become is very dependent on, oh, I did this surgically. I did a surgical guided case and it's supposed to be perfect now, right? 
without understanding basics of surgery, flap, um, flap control, um, um, suture techniques, uh, regeneration. There's so many other factors. It's not just here's a hole. Let me put that in. Let me put that screw in there. If that's the case, then anybody could be doing it without, and then everything would be perfect. That's not the case. There's so many other factors. Oh, what about uh, um, systemic issues? If you're uncontrolled diabetic, if you're a smoker, there's so many other factors that I don't think we talk about. We just talk about look at my implants. We go to a conference and we talk about look at my, how beautiful my Im implants were, how beautiful my restoration was. But we don't talk about all the other factors that go along with it and the failures. We don't ever talk about that. Everything has and to that, be. And that's the only perfect. time I ever learn anything. I mean, if, if you do a hundred crowns in a row and they all drop in, you didn't learn anything. You're just okay. you're just on an assembly line. I mean, I, I love it when the lecturer shows up, especially the implants. I yes, love sir. it when the lecturer shows up and says, "Hey, I've been practicing twenty years. Here's my top ten nightmare failures that almost made me jump off the Empire State Building." Yes, and then you're just like, wow, you just learned so much. But it's always the opposite. It's always like, I have no self-esteem. Here's the 10 cases that I've been lecturing on for 10 years. And I'm going to come here and show my 10 perfect cases and not even share with you how I got these results because it's all I. It's all about me. And if they're high self-esteem, and I mean, they're really high self-esteem, uh, they, um, they, they just show their failures. And that's where all the learning takes place. Yeah. And, and then that's something we talk about on our podcast is the, the failures that we run into on a, a daily or weekly basis. That's right. And, and one thing, another thing too, is it's funny how no one ever really mentions that no one understands uh, perioplantitis and how to actually treat it. I've gone to lectures, I've gone to um, perio meters, and one lecturer might literally say, okay, this is how I, this is how I treat perioplantitis. An hour later, after they're done, another lecturer comes on and says the complete opposite of how to treat periimplantitis. And we don't discuss that at all. You know, we can be honest and say it's a 50-50 coin toss, but we don't talk about that at all. We go, this is the person that, you know, showed me this technique. And it may work and it may not work. And then this person, you know, so periimplantitis is another thing that's associated with implant placement that I don't believe we talk about post-care, post-op care when it comes to perio maintenance. We don't talk about that, or implant maintenance. We don't talk about that as much as we should. Again, these are things that we talk about on the podcast, and just we're very honest about dentistry and what we need to do better. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, what you just said—that exact phenomena about what we don't talk about—I, you know, when um, it goes back to why I started Dental Town, I was published four times in the Journal American Dental Association. And each time I got the issue, I'm reading it. I, I didn't even know it was mine. I didn't even know I read it. And I'm, I'm reading this because I, I wrote something real, like we would be saying right now. And then they, and then you call them and say, well, what about this? What about, they're like, Howard, we can't say that. Well, we can't do that. Yeah, and, and basically yeah. all I was told is that, no, everything's going to be washed down, filtered, right. and when you're done, it, it was like dental economics for 20 years. They had the first column was like Walt oh, by Roger Levine, uh, Roger Levins. And it's like they took his lat, all of his articles, put them in a blender, okay. hit okay. buzz for five <laughs> seconds, poured it out. It was the same shit. I remember that. Be, be nice to your staff. Oh, I'm sorry was someone saying be an asshole to your staff uh you 
know, have, you know, you should do, I mean, everything he said, it's like, okay, I've never heard anyone even say the opposite. So, right. I mean, why, why don't you just say, oh, um, Dennis should breathe 12 times a minute. Um, they should make sure their heart is beating over 50. Right. And that's why podcasts are taking off. I mean, Dental Town's up to now um, 75 podcast shows are now uploaded. And some of these people have a million downloads from just the Dental Town app. And right. it's because if you wrote this up and sent it to any dental magazine, number one, they're going to edit it to 600 words. Mm -hmm. Number two, they're going to edit it so nobody's offended. I mean, uh, and then number three, when they're done with it, you just you just wasted all your time. I mean, you should just watch an NFL game. Hell, a rerun. I, you know, I'd rather watch a rerun than read out of this stuff. But um, I really think podcast is is uh, unfiltered. Um, and, and how many times you've been to a seminar where um, you're listening to the guy speak? And he loses half the crowd at lunch. And by the third break, we're down to 10. And then when you're done, you go to the bar. Two drinks later, he's given the best endodontic presentation. <laughs> and, and, and I'll say, well, how come you didn't talk like that? And then I, like, I asked him. This one guy asked him. I said, I asked you, um, what do you think of Thermophil? And you start drawing on about it. Endodontic operators. And then at the bar, you're like, shit, no, I wouldn't use that stuff. I hate that shit. I can't get it. It's like, why don't you talk like real people talk to each other why um did you think podcast is a more bigger license to be truthful politically incorrect yeah. talk like it is well i mean honestly the reason why we continued well we actually thought of the idea of a podcast because in your podcast that you how legitimately honest you were with everybody that came on if you didn't agree with them you said hey this is my point of view and it wasn't like anybody was going to fight you you know kyle and i don't always agree on, on uh, a lot of the stuff that we talk about on the podcast but it's good though like it's not like we're gonna hate each other then we're like this is my point of view and this is your point of view let's have a discussion about it you know what i mean i just don't understand why we can't do that more often you know because you're probably when you listen to your podcast you'll get something out of it and and i mean howard no matter what <laughs> hate him or love him you're gonna be completely honest about how you feel and i think that that's what it should be and that's what lectures should be that's what ce should be it shouldn't be so cookie cutter like like you said just uh, let me be politically correct about everything i mean it's it's i don't know and, and families are, are even tough. Like, my two oldest sisters went into the nunnery, and other family members that, that weren't all into this Catholic stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, so you're not into all the Catholics. You still blood family. I, you see it now with politics. I mean, it's like it's yeah. like Democrats and Republicans can't even go to the same family reunion. It's like, <laughs> it's yeah. like, is there anything more to your life than your political party and your church? Can't you just go here and... I mean, your your family, you grew up, and, and I, I have no problem not believing or disagreeing with anybody. What I have a problem is, is when you're lying to me because you think I can't handle the truth, and you're okay. trying to dumb it down, you're like, well, he, Howard's some bold fart from Arizona, so I don't want to say, yeah, and, and you tell me what I want to hear. And that's why I, I, I never trust people that wear, um, seriously, a tie, because I always believe that when you have a tie on, it's to keep the foreskin from coming up over your head. <laughs> and you're, you're oh, I'm, I'm glad I took my tie off. 
You're even trying to take my money. It's like it's like when Willie Nelson's on the Tonight Show, everybody believes him. I mean, he already admitted he stoned, didn't pay his taxes, and he's headed to jail. What the hell would he lie about? But then the next guy is some politician with a suit and tie on. He's telling you what he's going to do for America, and you're like, no, you're not. You're lying, cheating, stealing. I mean, I have so little faith in these guys. Um, so, um, Can I ask you a question real yeah, quick? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so uh, the reason why you came up with the 30-day MBA, can you explain that? Because I actually loved it. And I think a lot of people need to watch that on YouTube. You know, it really keeps it, keeps dentistry, just the business of dentistry, really just straightforward and very common sense. A lot of people don't, I mean, they hire people for 30000 40000 dollars to be a consultant coming to your office to tell you how how you could just do something so basic as the 30-day mba so can you just go over that real quick just for me well have you ever seen have you ever seen anybody uh uh, a premium athlete with a personal trainer i mean you you go to the gym everyone with a personal trainer is like it's like their date or some entertainer like you know it's um you know, but anyway, the 30-day MBA was real simple. Um, I bought my first laptop in 98 when I signed up for uh, the ASU MBA, and um, I, it was every Monday and Wednesday night from 6 to 10, two classes, 6 to 8, 8 to 10, and it was three trimester years, so it was two core courses, um, so it was two, four, six, twelve courses, and I took that laptop and I just fired it up, and it was a new thing back then, and I just took notes of whenever it was about dentistry, and then when they would do the class project, you know, they always want us to do it on Intel or Dell or Cisco, and I'd say, look, I don't give a shit about Cisco. I got a dental office. Um, if if and you had to break up in teams of five, and I said, anybody in my team, free pizzas, we'll meet at the restaurant, or whatever the hell, and so. Every every one of the two classes, the team project was on my today's dental, and so I saw it as a two year sabbatical of um of getting away from the house, your kids, the Nintendo, and after work going up there one night a week, and I found the friendships and the camaraderies about all these people from all these other businesses. I was taking notes, and then when I was done. Um, I had my notes, and I ran it out, and it was thirty hours. So I called it the uh, 30 day dental MBA. And it was, um, it, and what, what's really cool now is that was in 98. So now 20 years later, you know, they're free on YouTube and they're free on iTunes. And every time someone says, Oh, I watch those, man, I just loved them. I say, Well, dude, that was, that was 1998. You weren't even born in 98. Um, <laughs> does it still apply? And yes, they always say, I, I they always so. say, it's people are people. The geometry and people aren't going to change much in the next thousand years, and uh, I really enjoy that. And I'll tell you what. Um, and then I went halfway through my master's in public health too, and I was really glad I was doing it. Um, but then life just got too busy. But um, what what I love the most about continuing education. Let, let, let's talk about Pittsburgh. Um, when you say Pittsburgh, um, not only do I think of Terry Bradshaw, but um, I signed up for the MAGD. And uh, the FAGD, and they said you had to take, uh, they had to break up these um, these hours in like eight different areas. And I told the guy, I said, well, look, I'm not doing ortho and implants. I'm doing fillings around bridge, so I shouldn't have to take that. And he's like, no, you have to. And I said, well, you're, you're just, 
no, I was all mad. He's like, Howard, you need to be well-rounded. You need to cross-train. Even if you're not going to do ortho or implants, you need to understand it. So then I go up there, and I, I'm looking for a course, because Arizona at that time didn't have a dental school or nothing. And here's this University of Pittsburgh, and they got this guy I never heard of named Carl Mish, and he's got this seven, <laughs> three-day weekend thing. And I looked at it, and all I saw was I could knock out all my requirements <laughs> at this one place. So I signed up. I went in there, and yeah, it was just love at first sight. And what was the first yeah. thing Carl said is, they said, well, how would you get an implant? He goes, well, I was a prosthodontist. I was doing a removable. And what pissed me off is whenever the implant guys, the oral surgeons, their implants are break, they'd always blame it on the implant. I'm looking, that's the worst bite I've ever seen. I mean, you're blaming your occlusion bite atrocity on the poor guy making the implant. And again, so he was cross-trained. So he, he went to removable, and then he went to fix. And uh, my gosh, I, I love that. But that's why I tell dentists that, you got to learn all the specialties enough to diagnosis and treatment plan. Now, you know, you know. Can I just say it's funny, uh, Carl? I think it was a year or two before uh, he had passed away, and I took, I, I went to a uh, course. I was doing another course. I think Academy of Osteo Integration, and they had the same thing. They had a, his course in um, Orlando, so we got a chance to sit in on his course, and it was amazing to me how many dentists were asking him questions that he could answer, you could actually look up in his book and get the answer to, you know, and it was amazing to me. I'm thinking to myself, like, why don't you just read the book? If you read the book, you wouldn't be asking this. You could actually ask more in-depth questions, but instead you basically took his course to ask him questions that you could have asked in the book. Yeah, um, that's the best value in dentistry. I, I, I kind of look at the um, these weekend courses of like a personal trainer. I, I had two personal trainers for three years, and they were the two hottest, sexiest, most gorgeous personal trainers in Ahwatukee, because I knew that would get me out of bed in the morning, you know what I mean, to go <laughs> chase those two people, but um, it, it worked for me, you got, you got to know yourself, but um, I look at these courses versus the textbook, I mean, you can buy a textbook for $200, and you can't read it in a week and comprehend it. And then you go to a lecture. It's kind of like, have you ever gone to a movie where you'd read the book and when you're, you know, no one ever walks out and says, God, the movie was better than the book. A hundred percent of the time, right. the book was better than the movie. And you can buy a $200 book on Endo or Perio or Pathways of the Paul by Stephen Cohn. There's even that book on the, um, what was that book by uh, Mish, not Carl Mish. Was it Randall Mish on implant failures? Uh, have you read that one? No, um, I haven't actually. Um, implant, implant failures uh, by, uh, I'm thinking it's Mish out of Michigan. Is it Randall Mish? Um, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mish, Avoiding Complications in Oral oh, Implantology okay. by Randolph yeah. R. Resnick and Carly Mish. Okay, so it's yes. Randall Resnick. And, yeah. I mean, there's there's a 600-page book for a couple hundred bucks that, I mean, every page is just like, wow. And and you can just do the time. I know a dentist in um, and right here up the street in uh, um, uh, Maricopa. And he learned implants. He came home every night. He's married, kids, all that stuff. He came home every night just uh, on his big screen, just opened up YouTube and put dental implant surgery. And would just sit there every night for an hour doing his thing, watching implant surgery. And after one year of just random Googling dental implant surgery on YouTube, 
these third place implants. And uh, and then when you go to these other countries that don't have the infrastructure, don't have the, the dental resources, they all read textbooks. And, and, and they'll buy a $200 textbook like this and nine guys will read it at the same time. You know, <laughs> so you can read your way to success. You can do everything low cost. But what I've noticed about dentists is, well, do you want to read a $200 book and learn everything about implant failures? No, I want to sign up for this $3,000 a week right. club. Um, they can't, um, they always overspend on their house, their car. Instead of two kids, they have four. Then, <laughs> you know, instead of going to, you know, the lake, they go to Mount. I mean, most dentists, you can't even find one financial area where they live just at the median of America. Right. They're always, dentists, physicians, and lawyers are always over the top, and then they're stressed because they got to make all this money for this lifestyle, and it's like, God dang, man, it's just, how do you get these kids with $400,000 in student loans to live below their means? <laughs> uh that, that's something Robert and I talk about uh, yeah. because I, I actually follow your advice and live below my means. I live in a double wide trailer. Uh, nice. that, that's I put a house, a double wide trailer in on my parents' farm in in my hometown. So, and that's more house than I need right now, but it's very comfortable and. Right. I, I completely agree with you, Howard. Live below your means, pay off your debt, and it may, takes away a lot of that financial stress. Yeah. Can, I, can I start calling you Trailer Trash Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, now you know what to say on the podcast now. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's less to clean, less to energy, less to everything. I mean, just living below your means. And, and, and I, I, I tell that to other dentists where they, they get all upset when their kid did something on, and it ruined the lawn or the house. Well, if you got a house or a lawn where a kid can ruin something, buddy, that's all you. That That's not a two-year-old kid. A two-year-old right. kid should not be able to ruin anything in your home. Right, right. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, for me, I live... Like you said, I mean, Kyle said it best. I mean, I had a RAV4 that was 12 years old. I uh, lived in an apartment until I was able to pay my student loans off. After that, the freedom is just there. I just think you just got to be patient. And that's the problem. I don't think we're patient enough because we've been promised this amazing lifestyle, that, but we don't know how people got to that level. You know what I mean? It's definitely not just coming out, making 150 but spending like you make 300 A lot of people don't realize that credit is not your friend all the time. Um, this is, uh, I can't believe, uh, um, we've gone over an hour and we're oh, now in overtime and all that, but I want to ask you uh, a question. I, I, I want to get, this is definitely incorrect. This is, uh, uh, we're going to tell you the, the truth be told is, um, <laughs> they come out of school, $400,000 in student loan debt. And those ADA dues are a lot of money. Um, is it a return on investment or should you just buy beer and bacon with that money? I, I think it's a return on investment because especially we none of us saw a pandemic coming and to have an organization like the ADA that was uh, really fighting for dentistry it, when it comes to, I mean, the government money that came out, the, the PPP loans, the CARES Act grants, the uh, trying to get the money forgiven, they were really the only voice dentistry had in supporting us uh, a lot of our offices were shut down by the government and to have the ADA fighting for us to be able to reopen to, for them dealing with the department of health and, and other things that, 
that made me want to pay my dues a lot more than I have in the past. I don't agree with that. I'll be honest with you. Uh, the ADA for me was when the pandemic hit, it was when actually they went silent for a while. And that's just my personal, and this is again, coming down here in Texas, I didn't hear much of anything. It was just like, oh, well, this is what the governor said. So we're going to do what the governor said. It wasn't, let's try to give them facts to why dentists, and even it's, it's actually funny. I was looking up today, the Perio, the, if you go to Perio.org, you'll see an article that they basically posted that said that dentistry, dentists have, I think, one or two transmission or positive COVID transmission. And we've actually gone out of our way to basically reduce the uh, admission of uh, COVID. And we, we were sterilizing more. We're wearing double masks and stuff like that. I don't think the ADA had much to do with that at all. I think dentists took it upon themselves to say, I got to make sure that my business stays valid and open and to also uh, reduce the the, uh, the fear of, of uh, patients. I didn't see an ADA commercial to patients saying, your dentist is here for you and this is the reduction and this and this and that. I didn't see anything like that. Yeah, you may talk to your members, but you didn't talk to the general population of dentists. They were quiet in my mind, but again, this is when Kyle and I differ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, you know what the, I mean? The biggest fear in my head is the government because there's nobody else that can come in, shut me down, or ruin my business. But they did. And, and they did. They did. They did. Yeah. And, and the ADA was nowhere can, to be found. But they continued to, <laughs> to advocate for us. Okay. Yeah, I, my, and, and that's my problem. I mean, I, I've always loved, um, his, you know, I've always loved math, physics, chemistry, biology, dentistry, history. And um, I mean, I, I don't know what anybody has read in 5,000 years of history where the government was the good guy. That's so right. when, whenever, I mean, in, in history, I mean, it, it was like, I mean, you don't go to the zoo and say, hey, I think I'm going to crawl in the cage with the lion. But everybody <laughs> always wants to run to the government. Um, when they have a problem, and it's like, I just wish they'd read one history book ever, and it's just, it's, I mean, even even in dentistry, like I say, the only reason we have people that can't go to the dentist is because the government board will stop anybody from Molar City coming up here and setting up a dental office in Guadalupe. They would arrest them, they'd handcuff them, they'd put them in a cage, they'd deport them, and then when they're done doing all that violence, they'd say, well, um... We need more money for health care for the poor, so we're going to confiscate 60% of your money and wages, and if you don't pay that, you're going to go to jail, we're going to be you, and we're going to sit in a cage, and, and it's like, and when you see AOC just sit there and say, well, yeah, I have no problem raising the minimum tax of 60%, I'm like, well, thanks for at least not shooting me, Stalin, uh, you know, I'd rather you just steal my money than to just shoot me, but... They don't even blink, and um, I yeah. just I just wish the millennials uh, would uh, stop drooling all over themselves every time someone says government, and realize right. that they're they're not they've never been your friend. I can't find any historical evidence where they were on the right side of anything. I mean, hell, even prohibition, eighteen and twenty one. We'll put you in jail if you do it, and then now we'll let you out of jail. I mean, they're just they're just a nightmare. But uh, um, life's tough. Um, I figure the pyramids were made five thousand years ago. They didn't even figure that out to Pythagoras and twenty five hundred years ago. I figure we probably got twenty five hundred years to go to be at a pretty good mathematical level, and probably a full five thousand years to go before we 
comprehend half of this, uh, what's going on. So I figure, you know, if, um, imagine being born during the last ice age. I mean, no matter what you did with your life, you couldn't have really changed any events. And I just figure that I'm living during the Flintstone era and <laughs> you just got to like Barney and Fred and go drinking with them and realize that, you know, and it, you're just, it's just the Flintstones. I mean, you, you look at what anybody says and it's like, I mean, half the things you hear anybody say is like, dude, a four-second Google search would crack that. I mean, I, 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 I can't wait till the iPhone has a uh, earphone Google search say, no, that it wasn't 1682, it was, it was 17, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's just crazy. But, uh, hey, we're way over time, and I got a dentist sitting here who wants to show me his new invention um but love your show no, uh, are you uploading you. that on dental town yet yeah i think so but i will definitely do better i'll do better i want to say we have one or two episodes but i can always knock the rest on there for sure so I got to, been, I, I before got to, we go yeah I, I wanted to say uh thank you for everything you did you were i was in my residency at the va hospital and you and Gordon Christensen came to Bedford at the Bedford Springs Hotel. You were the very first continuing education that I went to, and I've been following you ever since. And I, I, it's an honor to be on this podcast with you. I'm surprised you didn't drop out of dentistry and switch to podiatry <laughs> or, or uh, chiropractic or something else. But uh, thanks for the kind words. And uh, I, I remember I've lectured with Gordon a couple times, and uh, that's always fun. It, it's a lot better um, if... I go first, and then he goes because if you follow, you know, the Pope, uh, you know they 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 hold you to too high of a standard. But uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for doing the podcast. I think what you're doing is fantastic, man. Keep keeping it real. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, take care, brother. Later. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.